0: Welcome to the Scale or Fail Show. I am your host, Allison Maslin. I am a business growth mentor and love to bring you the expert so that you can grow and scale your business. And today, you're going to meet someone that I am so honored to bring on the show and talk about scaling. She has created a movement right here on the Scale or Fail Show. Welcome to the Scale or Fail Show, and today I'm super excited to introduce to you Dana malstaff is the CEO and founder of Boss Mom. She is a mother, author, speaker, business strategist, podcaster, blind spot reducer, we all need one of those, and a movement maker, and yes, she is. She launched the Boss Mom brand with her first book, Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to raising a business and nurturing your family like a pro. She did this in 2015 and quickly grew to a six-figure business within one year. She now has over 20,000 students in various courses. She has a Facebook group with over 37,000 members and she helps women all over the world raise their business and raise their babies at the same time yes it can be done she believes that we need to show our children that doing what we love can be financially viable too and i wholeheartedly agree so dana thanks for joining me oh thank you for having me i'm so excited to be here well i'm glad you're here and you and i met was it like three years ago Uh, something like that at a mastermind and you know you you had you know, it hadn't been that long, but I could, I saw the trajectory of what you were doing in your business. And I thought it was so incredible. And so can you, um, for our, uh, our listeners, our viewers, if you're on the video podcast or audio, uh, that are generally business owners, and I'm sure they're wondering how
1: did you, what led you to start this online community? Yeah. So I quit my job. And decided I was going to be a consultant six six or so years ago, and I quit. I was working fourteen hour days. Um, you know, was at the, the director level and was burnt out, and decided to quit. And everybody took me out, uh, fed me tequila, and I got pregnant uh, with my my husband. I was I was married at the time. We'd been trying and it wasn't working, um, and and so I found myself in this situation where we were living in Columbus, Ohio. I didn't know how to run a business. I I didn't know how to have a baby. Like I didn't know any of those things. I wanted to be great at both. I'm a very ambitious, you know, jump in. I always worked for smaller entrepreneurial companies. So I thought I've got to have it. You know, I, my dad owned an auto body shop. My stepdad had been entrepreneurial and, uh, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be amazing at both. And then I realized I didn't know anybody that owned a business really that was my age. None of my friends had kids Uh, and I was in a situation where I just felt alone and isolated, and to be honest, a little crazy. Everybody would go, "Why would you quit your job if you're going to have a baby? You should go back and get a job because that's that's security." And you know, <laughs> why are you? Why would you send your kid to daycare if you're just going to be home? If you're home, why don't you just have the kid home with you? I'm like, well, I can't get anything done if I'm home, and so everybody that I was surrounded by, uh, by made me feel bad about myself and made me question whether or not I should be doing what I was doing, and I just it just was not a good feeling. Well, I was in a cafe and uh, a Panera, I was in a Panera. I like to call it a cafe to be snazzy. (laughs) But I was in a Panera and I saw a woman with her baby and what looked like her mother. And they uh, were hanging out together and I just started crying because I'm originally from Southern California. I'm very close with my mom and my stepdad. And I called my husband up and I was just like, would you consider moving to San Diego? And it was negative 11 degrees in Columbus, Ohio. And he was like, I will quit my job tomorrow. Yes, let's move to San Diego. That sounds like a great idea. Three months later, we'd sold our house. We'd drove out to you know uh, to san diego and something beautiful happened which is there were tons of moms that had businesses and there were tons of just people that were trying to make businesses work and exploring this idea of starting uh, starting their own thing and i started feeling less crazy and what i realized was wow i am if you're surrounding yourself with the right people, like it's not just about surrounding yourself with the people that you wish you were like, it's just surrounding yourself with people that don't make you feel like you make terrible decisions because they're all making the same decisions. And I, and I saw this huge gap of other moms that we were searching in these entrepreneurial spaces, but we weren't finding this mom entrepreneurial space and not just a, I want to have babies and I want to have businesses, but this, these ambitious women that have these amazing jobs and leave them not to, you know, not, not just to have babies or not just to pursue a career, but because they have these multiple passions that they want to pursue and they can't help themselves and they don't want to feel bad about it. And so I s- decided to write a book, uh, boss mom was what came out of it. And when we asked everybody about it, they got so excited. Uh, and it did so well that we, you know, did what any entrepreneur would do, which was, we started boss momming everything You could buy buy some,
0: and we've been growing ever since. Fantastic. Well, it's a great brand, and, you know, I I totally get your story. I grew up in Oklahoma, and I had the same thing. I felt like such an outsider because, um, you know, I had all of this entrepreneurial drive, and I just remember um, because I had an ad agency that was my first business, and people would go, oh, that's just such a little cute thing that you're doing,
1: you know so yeah. well boss mom has become this thing that we talk about building a business you can brag about because there's so many women in our space that feel like they have to justify What they're doing justify the time they're spending to build something that they care about justify it because then either they're not a good parent because they're dividing their time or the whole my whole first book was about you can't if you love your kids and you love your babies loving your your business loving your business doesn't mean you love your babies less it's not like you have to take that love away and it goes somewhere else like you are allowed to love multiple things and actually being passionate about something outside of motherhood, I think is a good example to set for your kids about pursuing things that make you happy. And it makes you a more enjoyable mother. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. And, and think
0: about it this way. If you're, when your kids grow up and they come to you and they say, mom, I have this dream that I really want to fulfill. What are you going to say to them? Right? Yeah. Right, you want them to go after their dream. That, that's what you do, and I do. I do think it's it's do what do what I do, not do what I say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in our community, we find that we wanted to make sure we built a space that wasn't just for seven figure business earners or women that wanted to be the next Oprah. It's like, if you want to just have vacation money, like if you just want to pursue something so you can feel valued outside of just how you contribute as a parent or as a spouse, you know, that that's, that's just as good. Like you don't have to feel less than because you're not building an empire and you don't want to work five days a week or 80 hours a week week. Like you do, we want you to build things that help the economy, that help other people have jobs, that help, you know, put beautiful things into the world and solve problems because there's so many wonderful brains out there that even on a small scale can make either local or massive impact and all are really valuable. And so that's part of what Boss Mom is, is it's, we say no judgment, just dance parties. Like we believe in true if we all just hired each other, we'd all have six-figure businesses, is what I say. Oh my
0: gosh, that is so true. Well, I love what you're doing, and so um, what do you what do you think was the reason for just the big growth so fast? I mean, you were obviously del- delivering a message that people really needed to hear.
1: Well, there's, I think, there's a couple things. One, the very first thing I did is I hired somebody. It was a VA for two hours a week and they pitched me on podcasts. So from the very, very, very beginning, I was getting interviewed at least twice a week. In the beginning, it was as much as humanly possible. I would get on every show I possibly could and I would get interviewed as much as possible because there's no better advertising than being able to spread my message for a half an hour, an hour at a time to somebody else's audience. So I tell people, get on, get featured, like get get in places. And when they tell me, I don't know exactly how to talk about what I talk about. I tell them clarity's in the doing. Just suck in the beginning and then you'll get better at it when you're forced to continue to talk about things and then you'll find your words, you'll get better at it. So start with the small shows and, and build your way up. So that was one of the big, big tactics. I think the other thing is I'm really passionate about what I talk about. And I have a lot of energy for it. So I tell people if if you talk about the thing that you do and then you want to take a nap afterwards, then you might want to reconsider what you do, because if somebody asks you to explain why you're you started something, or why you spend this time or what you want how you want the world to be different, you better be really excited about it because people gravitate towards that excitement. so i I do think that the amount of energy that I have, gets everybody really excited about it. And then I repeat myself all the time. I tell people, stop saying different things to the same people and say the same thing to different people so that I become known for the message that I want to spread. And then when somebody goes, you know, Absumo was looking for somebody for International Women's Day. And there was a woman there who had been to one of my events. And she's like, oh, you need Dana. Like, yeah. she'll be great, you know? And I didn't seek that out. I just, some, she reached out to me. was like, hey, we want to do a, a co-webinar with you. And I was like, sweet. That sounds great. <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah. that, that idea that you're passionate, you're telling your same message to everybody all the time, and you're, you're going out and really spreading that message like a movement as much as possible so it can catch momentum outside of me. And then discussion starts to happen with other people, and I facilitate that discussion, and then magical things happen, I think.
0: I think that is really key what you said. I think so many people feel like they have to reinvent themselves every day. And they have to be completely different on social media every day. And I have to create new content every day. And that's, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And what you're saying is be where it's repeatable so that someone gets it, hears it again, and then they can share it with other people over and over and over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I always, since I equate everything to, you know, parenting and kids and all those fun, fun analogies, your kid doesn't say the alphabet once and they never say it again. Like the only way they learn their ABCs or, you know, learn to count or any of those things is by repetition. Yet, you know, we think that we read something once and we've got it, right? Like we think that we talk about something once and it's, it's internalized. And the answer is no, like we, you have to study your business and what you're trying to be known for and be an expert in just as much as you would, if you were in school, because at some point, if you're not becoming known for something, you're not repeating what's important. You're not continuing to go out and make sure people know that this, that's why people write books and start podcasts on top on a very specific topic because they become known for that. And if you're not doing that, then you're just out kind of dabbling. And real, real experts, real big brands, real things where people go, oh, I know what that is. I know what it's about. I know what they stand for. I know what they sell Um, are people that have and businesses that have an established brand that they repeat what they stand for all the time. So I say, stop doing all the new stuff and start picking the few things that you just want to keep repeating and then find new places to repeat them.
0: Yeah. Then just expand the market. So which you have done so quickly. So, I mean, this must have been such a major life change. Dana, for you, I mean, here you are in Cleveland and then all of a sudden you're in San Diego and you have a book and you have this whole movement. I mean, did you ever, like, you know, I mean, hasn't 2015 wasn't that long ago, really. You know, do you ever those moments where you're just lying in bed going, holy crap, what, how did this happen?
1: Well, I, I feel like I've always known that I was going to, that I, like, was going to do something. Like, I'm a very go out and do something kind of gal. Um, I never had any idea that my kids and having children would be part of my brand. Uh, you know, I started my my business or started my own you know consulting basically when I was pregnant with my son. I wrote my first book while pregnant with my daughter. Um, you know, so they have been very integral in the things that I've done in my business and i it's funny because you'd think that it felt like this really big change moving out to San Diego, but it actually set me right into this. This ecosystem that helped cultivate what I was doing. And so I've always looked at life as just an exploration, an experience where we're constantly learning. And then the people that are really successful take the 20% of the things that you learn that are really impactful and useful and can be leveraged. And we leverage that 20% and we don't worry or get hung up on the other 80% that doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that has come relatively naturally to me is not being married to all the stuff that fails <laughs> right. so that I can really quickly move on and go, oh, that thing did not work. That's totally okay. It doesn't mean I'm not valuable. It just means that thing didn't work. Uh, what did we learn from it? What can we do now? And I, I, so in that way, it doesn't feel overwhelming to me. It doesn't feel scary to me. It just feels adventurous to me to go out and create this thing we have. And at some point I'm considering how social media will change and all the things that will change. So as an entrepreneur, I always have to consider where's the market going because yeah. whatever I'm doing now is may not be what I'm doing tomorrow. So what am I really trying to create and how can I ensure that it's something that has a legacy to it, Um, And so I'm really trying to build a brand, a brand that will stand the changes that are going to happen over the next five or 10 years. And I I generally like to tell people, if you're going to be a freelancer or a consultant, that's great. You know, build your business that way. If you're going to have a true brand, then you build it to sell, you know, which I don't have any intention of doing, but that's what I'm, you know, I'm building with that idea in mind so that everything that I do recognizes that new things will crop up. And to me, then it just makes it fun.
0: So when you talk about building to sell, because I think, you know, we talk about this in scaling all the time. What is that? I know you're not looking to sell right now, but this idea, of, does that mean systems? Does that mean taking you out of
1: the equation? What is Oh that- yes. Well, and you're, I love your book. So yes, I read it. And I was like, yes, yes, this is so good. Um, yeah, absolutely. So like this year we just brought on a sales rep. Um, so it's the first time we actually, I, I'm, my background is partially in sales. I love it. I'm one of those people that gets all lit up when I get on the phone and talk to people. Uh, but yeah, in order to be something that is scalable, we have to, you know, push that out and make that sure that I'm not the one bringing in revenue. You know, the idea is if I dropped off the face of the earth for a month, would the would the company grow and get better? Um, is one of the things we always have to gauge. So. Outside salesperson systems that are replicable. Um, you know, we have a new membership site where the content is driven based on um, conceptual ideas, not on my personality yeah. and things like that. So yeah, making sure I'm definitely the face of the brand, but we want to make sure that the content and the movement and the ecosystem that we've created and the rules of our community and how we establish that and the safety and the meaning of everything is uh, is is something that can run without me. Right. Um, and so yeah, we try to establish that.
0: Yeah. And you're like the spokesperson of Exactly. brand. I love that. So um what do you think are important things for business owners to know in such a crowded market of you know, people trying to be the expert of this and that uh in getting noticed these days?
1: How? Yeah, well, I think I think there's a couple things. Um one is st- Definitely stop trying to please the masses. Um, if you're going to pick something, pick the exact kind of person that it serves. Uh, and make sure that that's the person that you're speaking to. Um, I'm a big believer that words matter. So if, if you don't know how to write and really create the story for you, then please hire somebody to write and create a story for you because it can make or break people getting excited. I always tell people, create your manifesto, your movement manifesto, because if you can't use words that are going to attract people to you based on their belief system, then they're gonna, nobody's going to be attracted to you because if you're pleasing everybody, you're not pleasing anybody is basically the phrase I think. Right. So I definitely think that like, don't try and go big, go small and you can, you'll end up expanding as potentially as you grow. So I definitely think that's one of the important things. Um, I think one of the other really important things from the online space that people have a hard time with is that content creation is that they go, Oh, well, I'm just gonna, they, what they do is they start with marketing without establishing the systems and the products within their business. So they have this thing that they spend all their time creating more content for to try to get more visibility, but the visibility doesn't get them anywhere because they don't know what their business is that they're really growing, what they're known for, the one or two things. So we lose our focus trying out stuff because we never have. we spend so much time creating marketing for the, for the thing we haven't established to sell and then we, it doesn't work right off the bat because we don't have enough time to, to really get into the selling part of it or we don't like to sell. And then we try and dabble in a bunch of different things. And then we think that maybe we're just not a good business owner when people are just doing it backwards. Make sure you know exactly what you're selling and what you wanna be known for and make sure that system is set up first. And then you flip to the 80% marketing and 20% actual implementation. So I think social media makes it hard for new business owners to not get caught up in that in that sort of cycle.
0: Yeah, I that's such good advice. And I think it, you know, this is where people throw thousands of dollars away.
1: Mm-hmm. Because,
0: you know, you're you're trying to attract a certain customer. You don't really know who that customer is yet, you know, and really what they need. So that that's great advice. And you know, you've created this amazing tribe mm-hmm. and it's grown very quickly. They're super dedicated. Um, they repeat what you do, they share what you do, and so what do you feel is key right now? I mean, you see kind of tribes emerging, but mm-hmm. what do you feel is key in creating the tribe and then keeping it to sustain and grow?
1: Oh, I love this. I just spoke at social media marketing world on this very, very topic, and it got me it gets me so excited to talk about because i I mentioned that. I think that mo- 90% of the Facebook groups out there right now are dictatorships and not not maliciously people don't mean to get up and you know tell people how things are they do it because they think they have to Manage it, um, and leadership isn 't about managing leadership is about facilitating, yeah. and what we want to do is we want to facilitate bringing out the strengths in the people within our space. So you do that within your team, you do that with your kids, you do that with your you know all of the situ- your masterminds or whatever it is you 're in you do it within a community too, so a tribe in a community isn't is about leveraging. People's strengths, which means if you pay attention, people will tell you what they want. So there is your natural policers, right? People will be like, I'm shutting my Facebook group down or my community down because it's just too much work. I'm trying to manage all these things. I'm like, let other people do some of that work for you. There's the people that naturally want to tell you when someone's breaking the rules. There are the people that naturally want to be the person that, you know, gets the is the shoulder to cry on. They're the people that naturally want to do be the trainers and be the experts in certain spaces. There's naturally the people that just want to nurture and be there to connect and be the connectors. Um, And what you do in a a real good facilitated community is you recognize and celebrate those roles and those people and raise them up so that you have tiers, just like you would in a company, tiers of, of almost management of different kinds of roles and spaces within your community that people just do naturally. And then they gain from that because they get clients. And they get friends and they, you know, they get clout and all of those things. And so what I tell people is just be more of a facilitator. Stop trying to manage everything and control everything and let people naturally be helpful to you. Um, and now I mean the boss mob community is such an amazing ecosystem where we truly, I mean, we've the in the last I think three or four months, we've gotten three of our community members to number one bestseller in their category in, in Amazon, just from boss mom support. There are women who say their entire business is built off of boss moms hiring them. Um, you know, we have this whole space where women are set, like, my goal is to have a million women say the catalyst for my business was boss mom. Yeah. And that's that's an important part. We want to be a jump starter for women to really give them the oomph to, to move forward. And part of that is not me not trying to be at the top, but me helping facilitate and raise other people up. And in doing so, I get referred business all the time.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because what you're saying is you're saying two things. One is uh, find the leaders in the group and elevate them to mm-hmm. step up just like you would in your company mm-hmm. to really spread your mission mm-hmm. over and over and over and get people inspired around the mission, which creates a movement. And that's exactly what you would do within a company. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, what you're saying is when you are creating this movement or this community, just treat it like this is a, 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 your company, your team that you want to be inspired to run with it.
1: Anyway, yeah, as if it's their
0: own business.
1: Yeah. And I tell people that you can, because uh, everybody gets metaphors, metaphors make it easier to understand concepts. And so I tell them, think about if, if, your, if your community were an office building, would you have doors? Would there be cubicles? Would you have bright walls like you have? Would there be plants? Would there be, you know, like free coffee? Would you have lounging places for conversation? Would you have creative spaces with round tables? You know, would everybody have Fridays off? Like what kind of culture would you want to cultivate where everybody's there all the time or where everybody's there a minimum amount of time so they can be with their families in other places? So I tell people when you're thinking about any kind of culture, any kind of brand culture, community culture culture think about a physical space of what would you make it look like? Would it be simple? Would it be complex? Would it be vibrant and fun? Would it be, you know, like serious? Because some, some spaces in culture, you know, uh, spaces that people create should be serious. I had a friend tell me, she's like, I wish I could make people laugh like you. I seem to always just make people cry. And then I went to one of her, uh, I spoke at one of her events and it was amazing. She was bringing out these really deep parts of these women that needed to be heard and they were hugging each other and there was tears everywhere. I was crying and I was like, oh, you've got a gift, honey. Don't try and make people laugh. Yeah. Like you stick with what you're good at. And this culture that you created is important. So deciding what you would think the physical view of, of the community that you're building would look like if it were in a building and that'll help you visualize what the rules are going to be. Because the, the secondary part of, of, the, of the way to create a sustainable community is to protect it. So you have to know what the rules are. You have to know what the boundaries are. You have to know what you're going to let in and kick out because yeah. we kick just as many people out as we let in. And if I don't protect that space fiercely, then people don't trust it. And people have to feel valued and they have to feel safe. And that's the only way to create loyalty. And if we create loyalty in that way, then these women will stay. They will st- we have 72% of our group is active every single month of 37,000 people. And that's because we protect it fiercely. yeah.
0: yeah yeah and that's just like a team too if you let someone to come in on the team and they kind of turn everything upside down and you let them what is the message that you're sharing it's, I, yes. don't yep. I don't care i don't so um really really powerful and so um shifting gears a little bit what do you feel with uh with moms uh and you know i i, I can talk about this all day long but i would love to hear because you're talking to so many moms What do you feel that that they struggle with the most in, you know, going full out for their dreams?
1: Yeah. Well, the biggest thing we hear is time management. Uh, The balance, right, is what they say. The balance between uh, being a mom, being an entrepreneur, being a wife, being a daughter, being, you know, all of those things. Um, And what I try and tell people is that we have to start being really confident in our decisions. Because the reason you feel guilty or bad about staying up late to do work versus you know hanging out and watching a show with your husband or you know asking your kids to do something so that you can get something done and you feel bad about that is because we feel guilty like maybe we're making bad decisions. Like, oh, this is the thing that's gonna mess my kid up, right? Or this is the thing that's gonna cause a fight. Or this is the thing that isn't really important enough. And so I tell people that every single day I wake up and I reassess my priorities. What's important to me? What do I want to make sure if I get this one thing done, it will be a successful day? And is there anything that if it happened would take precedent over everything else? You know, it's like take three hours out of your day to go watch your kids go once around a a track on a bicycle. I make a decision about whether I want to do that. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't work at all during the day to enjoy myself and go to the beach or something like that. And what I do is I, every single day I make informed decisions about what I think I'm capable of, what I think I want to give myself space to do, what my relationships are important to me that I cultivate. And because of that, I live a much happier in my opinion, balanced lifestyle, even though what I do isn't balanced. Sometimes my kids are way more important and sometimes my business is more important. If I'm in the middle of a launch, then I have backup babysitters. And and if my kid has a fever, somebody else is watching them. And not unless they go to the hospital, do I drop what I'm doing because it is a time of hustle in my business. And I have established that that is more important at this particular week, unless these set of things happen. So I think that the challenge that these women have is that they need to find communities or coaches or mentors or life coaches even uh, that can help them feel confident about the decisions they're making because then we wouldn't feel bad about what we're doing whether the priority is our business or our babies.
0: Yeah, and when you as a woman or or a man, I mean, you feel more accomplished, you feel like you're reaching your potential, you're only going to be a better parent, you're only going to have, you know, more confidence in yourself to pass on to your children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I tell, I mean, the women that are like, I know, but I really love spending an hour cooking dinner for my family. I really love sewing that Halloween costume. You know, should I be doing something else that is a good use of my time? And I tell them, yeah, if you enjoy it and you love it and you're adding value in that way, totally. I don't like either of those things. (laughs) I don't, I want somebody to cook food for me. In fact, I wish I had one of those already. And I don't want to, I know how to sew, but I don't want to sew my kids' outfits now that I have these other things. I love. To do puzzles with them. I loved it. So I I tell them whatever it is that you're finding joy in, don't feel bad about. You know things you don't want to do with your kids because it's not your job to sacrifice your life for your kids It's your job to show your kids what a good life live looks like so that yeah. they know how to grow up and be in the future So that they know that they're I think Brene Brown said so that they need to know that they're worthy of love and people that know that They are worthy of love take more risks and have more success in life And in my opinion, that's our job as a parent is to show them what being happy looks like. Um, and don't feel guilty about finding that happiness wherever it is that you find it.
0: I love it, I love it. So let's say, um, you know, you, you've got this side hustle and you're making a little money on the side and you decide, I wanna step full in and, and create a business. What are, what's some advice that you give your
1: community? Yeah, so um, one of the first things that I tell people is the most unexciting thing, which is make a business plan. Like I know you wanna create a social media profile and you wanna go and just jump in and I'm excited for you for all, all of those things. But understand what it is you're actually trying to create. Like what future are you trying to create? And I tell people you have to know what your dream makers and your deal breakers are, right? Which is what are the things you would absolutely just kill to have and be and, and experience. And one of the things that are going to ruin the kind of life that you want to lead. So for instance, you know, when I was starting out, I said, I want to speak. I love to speak, but I was also had a tiny kid and was pregnant with a second baby. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, it's, here's the thing. If I, if it's two, more than two days travel, more than once a month before my daughter is one? And the answer is no. And so I was able to make decisions about how I was growing my business and what I was pursuing. So I wouldn't look back a year later and go, what on earth did I just create? I'm just in a perpetual state of unhappiness again. So I think, I know everybody wants to get in and just hit the ground running, but if you take the tiny bit of time to work with a coach, buy a course, do something, read a book, whatever you need to understand how you're establishing your business, what you're gonna be known for, what you care about, all of those things, It doesn't have to take that long, but it'll set you up in the right way. So you make sure you're not on the wrong platforms, hanging out with the wrong people, selling the wrong things.
0: Definitely. And we tell our clients that all the time. (laughs) The tendency is we just want to go in there we want to make it happen. And you know, you're ambitious and excited, but you're going to end up having to go back to square one because like you said, you either hit a wall or you find out I don't even like this. Right. So take the time um, to do the work. So I really, I really love that. And so, um you've got a new book that has come out in this last year,
1: yeah. and so can you can
0: you talk about that?
1: yeah, so I was recording a boss mom podcast um episode oh, oh, two year and a half ago, something like that and um i was I love analogies, and so I made this analogy that it was like climbing your own ladder. Like you can't climb two ladders at the same time. It becomes very risky and injury is imminent. You know, you have to have somebody holding the ladder at the bottom. So I made these analogies to, uh, having, having a business be a ladder and how you would climb up and that it's important that you take the steps in your ladder that you don't just skip all the way to the top because that imposter syndrome starts to come in when you're trying to skip steps. And in a lot of ways, we aren't qualified to be the CEO of our own business, right? So it's it's climb your own ladder, becoming the CEO um, of your own business. And I in the very beginning talk about how, you know, if you've got a job, you're the intern, right? And you said, God, in six months, man, if I'm not the CEO, then I'm a failure. They would tell you you're insane because you have a 20 year trajectory, right? Yeah. But we start our own businesses online, and six months later, we're not famous. And we go, oh gosh, what am I doing wrong? And you're like, oh, yeah. cut <laughs> yourself <laughs> some slack. Lady. You've only been at this oh, for like a fraction of the time. I mean, the government doesn't even consider you to be having an issue you know, if you're not profitable for five years, you got five years according to the government before they start asking questions. If you're six months in and you're starting to make money, you're doing, you're starting to do something right. And yeah, so I, I was just really, I wanted it to be a simple book and easy read something that someone could pick up and it would give them permission to be where they are in your business. If you're at the janitor role where you're just putting out fires because you're trying new things and discovering what you like and don't like, that's totally okay. And then here's how to get out of that stage so you're not stuck there for years, um, just in perpetual overwhelm. Yeah, so it was a, a fun book to write. And um, our mutual friend, Mike Koenigs, wrote the foreword for it, which was awesome. Um, yeah, we got, you know, Pat Flynn read it before it came out and gave us a review and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a really fun one to write. Um, yeah, and then we hit number one, which was awesome. And um, it's been doing really, really well. I love it. Everybody, everybody has been taking pictures and showing it and highlighting things they've been reading over the last couple months, um, which always makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside
0: <laughs> oh, I know it's it is exciting hey you work hard on it so we should feel proud of it and you know other people get excited too and you know it, you are helping so many people and changing so many lives so uh it's, it's just really wonderful what you're doing you're truly on your path you can feel it you can feel your energy dana so be excited so you've got um you've got kind of a special with the book
1: Can you share that? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to get it into as many hands as possible. So if you go to boss-mom.com forward slash ladder book, like L-A-D-D-E-R, you can go and actually you get the book for free. You just pay the seven bucks for shipping um, and we will mail it to your home um, in like two days. I have a fulfillment person that makes sure everything actually gets you super quick so you can have it in your hands. Um, So that's a really great way to just get it super quick. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited we set that up because it, instead of just sending people to, to Amazon, we can, we can make sure you get a really great experience.
0: All right. Share that link one more time.
1: Sure. It's boss-mom.com forward slash ladder book.
0: Okay, great. Fantastic. Well, um, this has been awesome, Dana. And uh, I, you know, encouraging everybody here to check out your community. And uh, I know that they will, and I've been inspired. So keep doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, thanks, yeah. And for all of your listeners, we have the Boss Mom Podcast, but we also recently launched the Boss Dad Podcast. Which wow. Which I love because I wanted to make sure we were, weren't just listening to women tell their story. I wanted men, and we'd had the Boss Dad you know name for a long time so we finally launched it which i'm super pumped about and we had some amazing guests on i've gotten four of our dads to cry already oh wow i have had not that's i've cool. i've got almost like 200 interviews of women there's almost 400 episodes and never has a woman cried i think and already we're only like 26 episodes in and four of the dads <laughs> have already cried what's up with that i love i don't it. think they have a platform to I know. express permission. yeah that's really
0: beautiful i love that okay so well what you're doing is important work and now you're crossing the genders so that's awesome so well uh look forward to connecting with you again and, and uh, thank you so much for being on
1: here tonight oh thank you so much for having me i also love what you're doing so thank you for all of you all the things you have done to impact the world as well thank you dana
0: we will talk to you soon
2: People always talk about they want to be part of uh, seven-figure companies.
1: I'm now part of seven, eight, and nine-figure companies. I've been introduced to some of the largest corporations, uh, Fortune 500 companies, and it's with Allison's help, she's kind of expanded my horizons and my capabilities. And I think that's the most important thing where she expands. She she makes you know what you can do and be successful at that. Being with Allison and being able to learn who to hire and why to hire and how to develop a passionate, creative, inspired team was really, really important for me because I needed to shift some energy in my business. And I feel like with her help, I've really done that.
2: Pinnacle helped me grow my company to where at this point a year ago, I'm making a, I am making—I made a million more than I did at this point last year. So I really wanted to break that ceiling. I've hit that ceiling for several years in a row. And Pinnacle has helped me do that by implementing the thought. It's it's actually just a thought process and how you view your company and how you view what you're doing. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are hard on ourselves and are hard on our companies when it's not that we shouldn't be that way. So I think it's just looking at things a little bit differently, um, putting into practice the systems that she teaches us. Uh, For example, if you want an example, um, putting people in place to where I want my business to be at in two three years so I've got people right now in place and it's wild it's just like it's all the work is coming in and we're in place and we're not stressed out and it's just amazing it's just an amazing place to be what I love most about being in the pinnacle is constant access to support so whether it be my mastermind group or the recorded resources that Allison has produced for us or the constantly cutting-edge information that's coming to us on social media, Facebook ads, how to conduct webinars you name it we have a resource for it. So since joining Pinnacle we've added 12 new positions to the company we've increased revenue about 43 percent we've increased profit by 111 percent this year more importantly I've gotten out of some roles um, that I was in like QA manager and some of the marketing um, things that I was doing are now outsourced or not outsourced, insourced to a, a team member um, and I've really focused in on running the business instead of letting it run me.
0: Uh coaching opportunities out there and a lot of times I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious it's a kind of a sales job, you know, are they, are they in it for themselves, or are they in it for me? and at no time have I ever felt with Pinnacle that my best interest was not number one priority and it's truly an organization and not just Allison and the coaches but everyone there it's coming from a a place of giving and um, working for mutual benefit a lot a lot of sharing going on and that's a a great team to work with Uh, right off the bat I laid a foundation for my coaching practice and I increased my prices, uh, and within one week, I had signed two high-paying clients that had basically paid for my co- my coaching program with Allison, and since then, um, my income has doubled every single month. It's been tremendous, but being a part of the community has been the greatest asset. I've been so fortunate and blessed to befriend so many other amazing entrepreneurs who I learn from on a regular basis, who always have my back, like-minded people that I surround myself with, and the environment is is so positive. I just cannot speak highly enough of it, and I am always compelled to share it with everyone I know. I feel it is the biggest gift to introduce and share this opportunity to connect with this kind
2: of community uh, with everybody that I know. Don't be the company like I was, being in business for over 12 years, looking back and saying, what did I do in the last 10 years? Do it now. Now is all we have. We don't have the past and we don't have the future. All we have is now. I've been in business for 21 years now and I've worked with a number of business coaches and I watched Allison for four years and the results that her clients had when they worked with her and I finally decided this is the next coach that I'm gonna hire because she is the real deal. She is available to her people She absolutely cares deeply about each and every individual and the success of their business. And you know what? We have to, in business, take risks. And sometimes taking risks is hiring that new coach. This is a risk worth taking.
1: There is nothing like it. I can't even explain um, what the opportunity and the learning uh, that comes with Pinnacle. Don't even think about it, because if you think about it, that's the number one thing that will hold you back. Just do it, you won't regret it.
2: You just need to do it. I mean, you have to stop being on the fence. You have to get off, the the fence is boring. The fence is honestly, I was on the fence for, oh gosh, I was on the fence for maybe two years, and it was a horrible fence to sit on. I hated the fence, because the
1: fence kept me stuck. And it was when I finally jumped off the fence that my business skyrocketed.